This is an RNZ podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Money with me, Mary Holm. Thanks for taking just a few minutes to listen in while Jesse Mulligan and I talk through some useful ideas about how to make your money work better for you. Just remember though, this is guidance. Final decisions are up to you. Over to Jesse. Time for Mary Holm, financial journalist, seminar presenter and personal finance experts. Uh, actually, you've got a couple of events coming up, don't you? Yeah, yes. I've got in Tauranga, they're having their arts festival. In, they've got a lot of stars at that arts festival this year. I don't know yeah. if they've found more budget or what the story is. No, but, uh, I don't know. It's quite, I, it might have already even started, I think. Yeah. But they um, at, towards the end of it, they're having a few writers, like a mini writers festival, and yeah. I'm doing two events at that, actually. one, Both of them on Sunday, November the 3rd, and, and one is about the main messages of my book, Rich Enough. It's a nice job and, of you, actually. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Not on the uh, um, Tauranga Festival website, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, that's right. And the other one is, um, they're calling it Smashed Avocado, and I've already heard a few people objecting to that name. They're aiming at people 16 to 35, um, basically millennials, and, and particularly wanting them to come along, although others can come along as well. And there's a young millennial woman who's going to ask me questions about... We're going to look at things like whether it's necessary to buy a house or not, because people in that age group are often giving up. Mm. And in fact, you can do fine, as as we've talked about it before, not ever owning a house. And looking at credit card debt and looking at KiwiSaver and really hoping to get a lot of people in that younger age group, 16 to 35, 40, although older people are allowed in, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> or otherwise I wouldn't be allowed in there. But, I, I don't um, mean to be controversial, but are there many millennials in Tauranga? Look, I don't Oh, you better... <laughs> Let's it's see. just a genuine let's question. See, let's see if the um, look for one thing. There, um, there's a branch of, of Waikato University there, of and, there and is. I know some young people who are down there studying marine biology, and so I think there's quite a lot of mm. students down that way, and surfers and all those. Yeah. Hey, um, have you heard the budget? This would be good for you actually to have in your back pocket the budget alternative to avocado, smashed avocado on toast. No. Blended edamame beans. It's true. I'll have to write that down. Yeah, you can do almost anything with blended edamame beans that you can do with avocado. Similarly creamy, the same colour. Oh, there you go. High in protein. Yeah, yeah, they're possibly higher in protein. The um, yeah, my son, who's basically millennial, said, "God, Mum, where did they get t- that title from?" You know, I, said, mm. I said, "Look, I don't know. Um, I think the point of it is that people sometimes in my generation criticise the young and say if they didn't spend so much money on coffee and smashed avocado on toast, they yeah. could afford to buy a house, which is pretty unfair. And I mean, in my experience, a lot of young people are very good with money, actually." And those who aren't might desperately need their smashed avocado because there's not much else nice happening. Exactly. Um, we had done yeah. it. If you come across Frances Cook, who's promoting her yes. um, book at the moment, and she talks very um, highly of you and the influence that you had on her. But um, she's the same. She's, she's a millennial. Uh, and she yes. says, you know, like, why give up your one takeaway coffee a day if that's something that you really get yes. a lot out of? Find an easier way to save that yeah. four bucks or whatever. I think that's a really good... Good message. Uh, yeah, so, brief, so we're yeah. hoping people will ignore the title if they don't like it, 
and come along <laughs> come anyway, along to, anyway. The, to the sessions on on uh, the infor- there's information about it. One of the quickest ways to find it is on my website actually because okay. I've got links straight through. Because funnily enough, on the Tauranga Arts Festival website, if you do a search on my name, it doesn't come up. It's, yeah, it's handy. It's, yeah. So if you try on my maryholm.com, um, you'll get links that go straight through. Also appearing in yeah. Tauranga, Nadia Reed, Tammy Nielsen, yes. Reb Fountain, Chloe Swarbrick in conversation with Marilyn Waring. It's great. There's a there's a terrific lineup of music people. Yeah, mm. yeah. All sorts. Yeah. Okay. Hey, we're going to start with a letter this week. Yeah, look, this is a fun little letter that came through snail mail. It was handwritten. Do you want to read it out or have yes, you got please. it in front of you? Yeah. Hi Mary. I love listening to your show each fortnight and I couldn't resist following up on the funny conversation between you and Jesse regarding plastic bags as bin liners. I can't believe some people wash and dry bags on the line. They do, because I just heard from some more of them earlier when I was talking about this feature. Really? Anyway, Amanda says, I use these eco liners, and I thought you should give one a go, as you mentioned that one you used from a friend disintegrated when you removed it from the bin. And that's from Amanda in Auckland. Yes. yes. So she posted Me, it to you. She did, yes, yeah, via RNZ. And um, I've got the bag, and so the next time I needed to line the bin, I put that one in. Mm-hmm. On October the 8th, and I thought, well, I will report back to you. The thing that I think might be a problem for me is that I just don't generate that much ordinary <laughs> rubbish as opposed to compost and yeah. and um, recycling. This is other rubbish. Yeah. And I just, well, it shouldn't be too wet if you're putting your compost elsewhere. Well, that's right. No, it's, but there might be the odd thing that's a bit, a bit wet. Cat food um, oh, yeah. sachets and things like that. Um, Not judging your but, trash, but, Mary. But, no, no, well, quite. But anyway, we'll see. The last time I tried one of these eco liners, it was a disaster. <laughs> when I pulled it out, it all just collapsed. So we'll, I'll report back when I You'll see. It's it. been in there yeah. for nine days. It has, yeah. And you I haven't mean, even filled it up yet. Not nearly. Oh, well, what's no. everyone complaining about your plastic bag use? Yeah. One plastic bag every couple of weeks isn't going to yeah, do anything. No, no, no. I'm, um, I seem to just not generate much rubbish. <laughs> 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 Not sure what that says about me. Really. Okay. Oh, but I was expecting the big reveal. That's okay. It's, when, no, when, when, you say it's, when you say it's an eco bag, uh, does it sort of feel plasticky? But in fact, yeah, it breaks down. That's that right. Okay. That's right. All so right. probably when I'm back here in two weeks' time, I think it probably will have <laughs> <laughs> done its trick by then, and I'll report back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's another letter, quite a long one. Yes. And I said one of my favourite things uh, about your slots uh, in the Herald on Saturday and here is that you, you're not afraid to um, address criticism head on. No, I, no. Some people I who will. complain about things think that we hide away the complaint letters so yeah. people will never find out about them. But the much better thing to do is read them out so you can address them. Yeah, I mean, for a couple of reasons. One, that conflict makes things more interesting or d- disagreement, you know, mm. makes a story more interesting or whatever. Um and in any case, I, because I'm not selling anything, if someone has a criticism that's valid, I'm totally fine saying, yeah, look, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, it throws why, them off a bit when you say that, though. Well, but why Why not say it? If, you know, because I've learned a heck of a lot over the years from mm. the Herald column in particular. and um, But also... Um, sometimes I think they're not right. This, in this case, I think he's partly right and, and partly not. But I just, it's a matter of pride, too. I don't like the thought of people out there saying, I wrote Mary a letter and she didn't have the guts to address it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't address so, everything, but uh, no, here's one. But, Hi, Jesse. Yeah. I feel bound to comment on an aspect of Mary Holmes' advice. She advises against investing in individual shares. 
uh, as opposed to share funds. Until one has enough funds to buy a diverse range, I completely disagree with her philosophy. In my view, one should start small and start early and not hang back before plunging in. Start small. Buy a small holding in one company, watch that company and learn what makes it tick. There's nothing like having skin in the game to focus one's attention. If the shares don't perform, only a portion of a small investment is at risk. Later, as knowledge and confidence grow, buy small holdings in other companies, thus diversifying one's portfolio. Small holdings can be bought very cheaply. Now that trading is facilitated by the internet, brokerage is trivial at 0.3%, subject to the $30 minimum in New Zealand, and that's less than the daily price fluctuations of many shares. Start early. Share investing involves developing knowledge of companies, their financial statements, the share market, etc. And it also involves setting realistic personal investment aims and recognising one's tolerance for risk, as has been said. Uh, learning to overcome fear and greed, and that takes time and experience, so the sooner one starts, the better. Also, buying a diverse portfolio without prior experience, as Mary is implying, could be daunting. A beginner might might struggle not only to make the numerous initial purchase decisions, but also to assimilate the avalanche of information, quite an avalanche of information here, that buying shares in perhaps a dozen different companies would initiate. Better at first is to manage a single holding than to be overwhelmed by diversity. I bought my first shares at age 21. In the early years, I made a lot on some, and I lost a lot on others. The crash of 1987 left me chastened but wiser and still above water, and since then I've learned where the balance between fear and greed lies for me. My portfolio has grown modestly but steadily and now meets my retirement needs. A nice parable from Brian. Yes, yeah, and an interesting letter. And just to make it sort of clearer for listeners, He's objecting to what I normally say about shares, which is, for most people, it's best just to get into a share fund that that, that owns a lot of shares in or out of KiwiSaver. Within KiwiSaver, that would be a growth or an aggressive fund. Um, but, you know, whether you're doing it in or out of KiwiSaver, I say, well... Um, if you want to hold shares individually, it's got to be outside KiwiSaver, actually, mm-hmm. um, holding particular shares. You know, you go and buy the shares in the company. Um, I say you need $100,000 at least um, because that with that amount of money, you can buy sort of reasonable parcels of, say, 10 different shares, and you really need a wide range of shares Um and if you haven't got that that much money to put into shares, it's better to just go into a share fund in or out of KiwiSaver. Having said that, he... Um, I mean, one of the reasons I say that is you've got to get a wide diversity. It's not a good idea to own just one, two or three shares, which a heck of a lot of New Zealanders do. If they're in in shares at all, individual shares, they tend to own a small number. And that's really risky because, you know, if one company does badly or goes out of existence, you lose your money altogether. Whereas in a wide range, that's not going to you're not going to lose all your money, not even in a big share market Mm. crash. You don't lose it all. Um, and, And now what Brian is suggesting is to... Save up, let's say, stay, save up $10,000 and then go and buy one share and then save up another $10,000 and go and buy another share. Mm. And by the time you've done that 10 times, you've got you've got the, the wide-ranging portfolio. And that's quite a good way of doing things. Um, 
you're gradually getting diversification, although at first you're not, but, you know, over time mm. you've got a wider range of shares. You're also drip-feeding into the market, which is a good thing. You're putting, buying some now, some a little way later, some a lot later, which is a great way to buy into the share market because, as it turns out, some sometimes will be good times to buy and some will be bad. You don't know it at the time, but when you look back, it's good to have drip-fed your way in. But um, one thing I don't like about doing it that way is that if you're the first two or three that you choose happen to be not very good performers, you could get pretty discouraged about the whole thing and pull out altogether. And there's just as big a chance they'll be bad as good performers. Mm. And I'll get on to that. Um, Can I suggest, I might have this wrong because he's not specific, I reckon he might be even talking about $100, putting $100 in. Yes, he might. Learning about maybe next one's $200, you know, rather than starting with $10,000. Rather than $10,000, yes. Look, he might because he doesn't Where the stakes aren't very high. You you wait until you know everything before (laughs) before you bet that much money on it. That's true. And because he, as he points out, brokerage is pretty small now. It's much, much smaller than it used to be when you buy online um, with, as, as he says, a New Zealand minimum of $30, which is not a lot. Although if you were buying $100 worth of shares, it's not, not a goer to pay $30 minimum mm. brokerage if you're buying $100 shares. Oh, there's shares. $30 minimum brokerage. Yes. Yeah, okay. um, so it's got to be yeah. $1,000 or something before you're starting to fork o- out. Although you get a few um, increasing numbers of emails through me asking you to comment on sharesies and, and apps like that. Presumably yes. you can do that without brokerage. Look, you've caught, caught me there. No, I know fine. that I know that it's not expensive to do it mm. through them, but it, but that you still there still are some okay. brokerage costs. Yep. I'm not sure exactly what their costs are. I should check that out. Mm. Um, but yeah, so look, if you do it with little small amounts like that, well, you know, why not really? I mean, I like the fact that he. Um, once well, gets people in starting early rather than rather than waiting until you've saved up a lot of money. I think that's a really good point. It, you get used to the markets and learning about what goes up and down. But I suppose the, the thing I disagree about most with what Brian says is he says share investing involves developing knowledge of companies and their financial statements. And I disagree about that. Um, you don't actually need to know about the companies you're investing in. You can do just as well by throwing a dart at the share tables in in the newspaper. Or um, I've told you before about Lusha the chimp in, in Russia, who they got her choosing which shares to buy, and she did better than most of the fund managers. And there's quite a lot of research. There's a famous book called A Random Walk Down Wall Street, which was a textbook when I was doing my MBA in finance, and that's about how if you randomly choose which shares to buy, you'll probably do just as well as someone who spends hours on it. And the, the that seems counterintuitive, and and I'm sure if Brian was sitting here, he'd be arguing with me about that because he he'd does be, he'd be crimson. He be does does his research. Yes. Um, the point is that individual investors don't get information about a company early enough to cash in on that information. If if information is out there just developing about a company, whether it's good or bad information, the professionals who are watching the markets all the time are going to catch it way earlier than we are. You and I read it in the paper or hear it on the radio, that's way too late. The thing is, if there's some good 
news breaks about a company, then the professionals are going to rush in and say, oh, that, that share's too cheap given this good new, new development about the company and they rush in and buy. And the minute people rush in and buy, it pushes the demand up, it pushes the price up. By the time you and I buy it, it might be a company that's going to do really well. Not, I'm not arguing with that, but the price is too high. It's all about the price you buy at. There's a really good quote that I want to just read here. It's a little bit long, but it's really good from Warren mm. Buffett, who is you know one of the world's greatest share investors. And what he said is, what I just cannot get investors to understand is the difference between a good business and a good investment. When I bought Coke, at $6 a share, it was a great company and a great investment. It's still a great company, but at $44, it is no longer a good investment. The, the, and the point he's making is it's, it, it's not about whether the company's good, it's about whether the price of the shares reflects how good the company is. And if if the price doesn't reflect how good the company is. If you know something about the company and, and you're not allowed to trade on insider knowledge, and that's why ordinary people aren't going to get ahead of the market. If you, but you know, the experts might um, out there. Certain fund managers might get the information first, or or just intuitively know something and get in and buy the shares when they're cheap. They'll do well, but by the time you and I buy them, the the, the price is already reflecting how good the company is. It's um, in light of that, it's not daunting. He says, "Mary, what Mary's implying could be daunting for people because they're trying to learn about a whole lot of different companies at once." Mm. You don't need to know about them. It's good to know enough if you if you don't want your company, the shares you buy to go bust and go down to zero, then it's good to know enough about the company to know that they're, they're trading quite healthily. But if you really want to make big money, you might want to go into the ones that are likely to go down to zero because they're the ones, their price has already dropped to reflect mm. that. People are saying, oh, I don't want to be in them. Their price has dropped. They're either going to, their price might have dropped to a dollar a share Um they're either going to go to zero or they might zoom back up to 10 because they've been underpriced because everyone's scared of them, mm -hmm. if you see what I mean. Yeah. So I say if you're going to buy individual shares, you could just buy them randomly. I mean, have a look at how volatile their share price has been historically. And if it's been very volatile, that's one that's high risk, might be high returns, might crash. If you don't like that risk... Avoid the ones that are very volatile. But you can buy randomly, buy a variety of different industries, um, and you can do just as well as the people. Brian, he, he's, Brian concludes that he's done pretty well over the years, even though he had an up-and-down time in the 87 crash. Well, who didn't? Um, but what I've often found is... People say, I've done really well. I've done a lot of homework, researched my shares and done really well over the years. The thing is that a random choice would have done really well over the years too because the markets have gone up. A. B. Brian might have done better than average because the ones who have done better than average are the ones who talk about it. You know, the ones who really did quite poorly aren't going to write letters into you mm -hmm. about it or... Um, 
or, or tell the world about it. Um, so it's just, I mean, I, I think I've said before, my dad used to buy individual shares and he enjoyed it. He enjoyed doing the research. He enjoyed watching the companies in the, pa- in the paper. And Brian might be similar, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's an interesting hobby for those who are interested in it. But they won't necessarily do better than I will um, with my darts, or, or actually I just buy through share funds and always have, mm. and don't take any notice actually of the individual holdings the company, the, the share funds got. Yeah. Um, okay, so a couple of things to pick up on. I just looked up sharesies. Yes. You, you pay a couple of bucks a month and you can make as many sh- transactions as you like. Really? So mm-hmm. that, Oh, that's excellent. Then yes. there's a, it looks like there's a $30 annual subscription fee and then there's a percentage annual fund fee, which ran from about 0.34. So you'd have to add it up. The website I'm looking at reckons about $18 in a year on a $500 balance. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, I guess the benefit is that you get to have a bit of a go at it if, if you're interested in that. The yes. other thing is someone um, is criticising you for saying you need $100,000 to start investing in shares, and I feel like they've only listened to half or only heard half the uh, yes. half your advice. So you're not saying wait till you've got $100,000 before you can invest in shares? Definitely not. I'm saying if you haven't got that much doesn't really work to buy individual shares. Mm. Although, from what you're saying there, perhaps I might have to lower my amounts here because obviously people can get into individual shares for a lot less than they used to with the brokerage. Mm. Although that $18 on 500 see, that's still 3%, I think, isn't it? Um, which is not nothing. Uh, yeah, I've just got that oh, off no, one, ran- one random website, so no, no, don't, don't quote quite, me on it. Not, yeah, um... It's so it's not cheap to do the smaller amounts, but you, you look, you can obviously. I'm going to have to revise my hundred thousand and say, <laughs> but but for most people, the best and easiest way is to get into a share fund either in or out of KiwiSaver, and you get the, the diversification all done for you, mm-hmm. and it's more flexible about getting in and out and drip feeding in all of that. Great, yes. Um, if you came in late or you want to listen to Mary on the regular, whether you happen to be in front of a radio or not, head to our website and um, we've got our um, Mary Home podcast. You can find it on the podcast page. And uh, if you would like to hear her talk in Tauranga at the Arts Festival, uh, details on her website.